Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everybody. This is Helena Hart. Welcome to the Master Your Magnetism podcast, where I bring on top experts to help you create the life and relationship you've always wanted. Today, I'm talking with Mark Rosenfeld, Australia's number one dating and relationship expert and coach. He's the author of the book, Make Him Yours, Beating the Odds of Modern Dating. He has an amazing YouTube channel with 70 million views and over half a million subscribers. And he's also a very good friend of mine. We love working together. So welcome, Mark. Thank you for joining me. We do. We do. G'day, everyone. Thank you for having me, Helena. I'm really excited for this topic. We're going to do something a little different today, and we're broadcasting this live on Bullhorn, by the way. So if you're listening with us live, say hi in the chat. Let us know if you have any questions, and we can even take some callers at the end if we have time. We're doing a different topic today. We're actually going to be talking about why more people are choosing to be single. I imagine this would apply to both men and women, right, Mark? Well, it's primarily the women that are driving it, if we're, if we're being blunt. Yeah, oh, certainly, yeah. look, there's plenty of men that are choosing it too, but we're seeing the trend, particularly in women, and it's really interesting, and I thought it'd be an interesting topic for us to bring on today, Helena. Absolutely. I actually don't know anything about this or what you're planning on sharing, so you mentioned it's actually oh. more women who are choosing to be single. Should we start there? Why is this happening, and what are you seeing in women in your community and clients of yours? Yeah, it, it's so interesting. You know, this this statistic originally came from a, I think, a Forbes article. Yeah, I think this was from Forbes. And it said 45, uh, 45, yeah, 45% of women aged 25 to 44, so prime working age, will be single by 2030. And 52% uh, of women over 15. So basically 52% of adult women. And to give you an idea, that's an increase of about four or five percent over where it is now so if i had a graph i'd draw it on the screen for you guys but it's basically a steadily uptrending line and i just i've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks and i find it fascinating and i thought it'd be a really interesting topic for you and i to go back and forth on you know why are people making these choices particularly women why do we even come to relationships anymore and just talking about some of the i think for all of us who value relationships and who really see the benefit in healthy relationships you know, why are so many people choosing to be single? And I guess, how do we make it appealing again <laughs> to be in a relationship? How do we make it happen for ourselves and those of us who value it? 
I think that's such a great topic. I actually put a poll on the screen, but I can't see the results of it currently. <laughs> but it was, what is your relationship status? I'm trying to get this to work as I'm talking to you. So for everyone listening, let us know. Are you single and dating? Meaning you're either dating one person pretty consistently or you're maybe online dating looking for a partner, single and not dating, in a relationship or married? We'd love to hear from you. And that is really interesting. I've been hearing that quite often, actually. I don't have the statistics on it like you do, but something I hear a lot is, you know, a woman will leave a comment on YouTube channel or I'll get a message on social media and they'll tell a very disappointing story. And then they'll say, and that's the reason I'm not dating anymore. That's the reason I'm choosing mm. to be single. And I think that's very different than someone just choosing to be single because they love being single. Don't you think? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been looking into this. I think there's so many different reasons. Um, we can go through a few of them. I mean, I think that social media certainly sets up expectations that may or may not be realistic to those of us who are in actual relationships. Dating apps, let's be honest, a lot of people don't enjoy using them. And I do think, you know, I work with women one-on-one -on -one every single day. I've been doing it for years and years. And, and I do think dating apps disadvantage women a little more than they disadvantage men. I know there's a few men that will debate me on that, um, but it's what I've seen. But I, I, you know, it's interesting. I think at its core, Helena, we have to look at, at society in general. We've, we're not as connected in the West. You know, we don't do as much community stuff. We don't do as much extended family stuff. Church isn't as big a thing if it ever was your thing. So we're sort of we are we have this innate need for belonging and connection as human beings, and we're finding ourselves not only moving away from the bigger, wider sort of structures, but also now from relationship. And, and as someone who really values and promotes healthy relationship, I, I don't think it's a good thing for our society. But again, I go, well, why is that happening? Because again, it's it's women, it's you guys mostly that are listening that are driving this change. And as I say, I speak to women every day. And when we think about it in, in biological terms, you know, what, what was the point of relationship for women for for most of human history, physical safety is going to be mm -hmm. one of the biggest things, right? And and obviously resource safety in the last few thousand years, finances and coin became a thing, so financial safety. And if you've ever seen good old Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can sort of see the, the air and water and food and reproduction along the bottom, and then there's uh, safety is, is the big second one. And then we've got love and connection and uh, self-expression and stuff at the top of the triangle. And it's interesting, Helena, because when we look at the stats, what's what's increasing this percentage of single women? There's two big groups. Uh, number one is the group of never married women. And number two is women who are getting divorces over 55. And I put all this together and when we look at, well, why, do, why should a woman even be in a relationship? Physical safety. She doesn't need to have align herself with the biggest, strongest guy in the tribe anymore. She has walls and doors and police officers and things that are built into society that can protect her. And, you know, thanks to feminism, many women have their own incomes now. So they don't need to tolerate, you guys listening, don't need to tolerate emotional SHIT like you may have had to do, your grandmothers may have had to do, or your great-grandmothers. So I think it's really interesting when we look at why women are coming to relationship now, a big part of it, the biggest in human history, is emotional needs and emotional safety. 
and women are saying, well, I can more or less do the physical safety thing kind of on my own, even the finances thing. I can more or less do that if I, if I need to, but it's the emotional standards that I'm really coming to relationship for. And on the one hand, I want more people to be together. But on the other hand, I talk to women every single day, Helena, and I'm sure you do something similar. It's we're helping women set boundaries. We're helping women build relationship skills and we're helping women deal with some pretty tricky relationship situations. And a lot of them lead to breakups because these women raise their standards and, you know, set a new, set new markers for themselves. They stop tolerating whatever they've been experiencing from men in terms of, in terms of any uh, particular trauma or emotional distress they've been going through in their relationship. And so as coaches, I know I'm contributing to the 52% in a way, but it's this different level of needs at its core. It's this swing from sort of physical and financial safety to emotional needs. I think that's a big reason why women are coming to relationship. And, and for the men, it's like a lot of us guys, we don't really know what we're doing with that. It's challenging for guys to go, hmm, how emotional can we be? Can we still be masculine? I think a lot of men are like, I don't know what to do. And the women are going, oh, that's cool. I'll just be single. That is so interesting. So it sounds like what you're saying is women don't need a man anymore to take care of them physically or financially. There is that emotional connection aspect. And we can talk about that. But if men don't know what they're doing or women have experienced disappointment over and over in their love life, often they're just choosing to be single. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's that's a lot of what I'm seeing, and from talking to women, that that's basically right. And it's not that uh, it's not that ladies, you guys don't love a man if he's like, yep, he makes some good money and he makes you feel safe. Of course, that's always going to be a a biological precedent. But if he can't provide emotionally now, I guess what I'm seeing a lot from these statistics and in sessions is women go, mm, okay, if you can't provide emotionally, I'll just do the single thing. Absolutely. And I was able to pull the poll results up. There are people that are going to still be voting throughout this live broadcast. So far, 60% said they're single and dating. 20% said they're single and not dating. And 20% said they're in a relationship for the live listeners right now. Is there anything you want to know from people who are single and not dating, particularly as to maybe why they've chosen not to date? We'd love to hear from you. See, isn't that that interesting, Helena, that I think you said 20% are in relationship and 60% are single and dating. Mm-hmm. So that's 80% of us who, 80% of us at least, who are saying, you know what, relationship is to some level important to me. And then I imagine even those who are single and not dating, there would be some of you who are listening who are maybe just recovering from a breakup or just doing your own thing for a little while, but you don't inherently hate relationships. You're just going, eh, I'm just going to take my single time for a while. So that's between 80 and perhaps 90% of us that are saying, yeah, you know, I really value healthy relationship. And yet the trend goes the opposite way. I just find that fascinating. But yeah, I'd love to know from those of you who are single and not dating, what's your reason? Are you just out of a breakup? Can't trust men? Don't want to feel controlled? Uh, Something else? Yeah, let us know. Anxious? Let us know in the chat. I would be really curious to know. I love doing these live. It's just so much fun getting that immediate feedback. I mean, I've definitely been in a place where, you know, you've gone through a bad breakup or you had some bad experiences with dating and you're just like, I'd rather be single. I remember telling myself I'd rather cuddle with my cat on my couch every (laughs) night and watch Netflix for the rest of my life than (laughs) get into another bad relationship or put up with BS from men. I've certainly been in that place. And of course, 
what kind of men did you think I attracted when I was coming from that stance? Mm. Right. And so I think it's normal to, especially if you just maybe had a bad breakup or a heartbreak or some kind of disappointment to go through ebbs and flows like that. But it sounds like what you're saying is some people are just choosing to, to stay single and just say, I'm done with dating forever. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we're seeing some of that, I think messaging, and it's on, it's on both sides. You know, I see messaging towards men. Um, I'm not really in these men's groups, fortunately, but I certainly see plenty of men who have been either hurt by women or hurt by relationship in some way. And they sort of have that, oh, you know, women are just going to, what's the point of being with a woman? You know, it's just going to, to take my money, lose half my stuff. And there's trauma on both sides. And then I see a lot of women who say, you know what, I've been cheated on every relationship I've been in. Uh, I've never had a guy really provide for me emotionally, perhaps even including, including my parent. So I'm just going to go my own way as well. And it's kind of sad because I think a lot of the time that that is more of a trauma response. If we're being realistic, those people deep down don't want at their core to be like, yes, I just want to live the rest of my life on my own. You know, we're built for companionship. It's a pretty unusual human. Not that not that they're not out there. There's definitely a minority, but it's a pretty unusual human that that's how they're designed to be, you know, to just be mm -hmm. forever alone. But it's, I think it's sad that this dramatic change in what we look for in relationships rather than saying, hey, let's, you know, let's really encourage relationship skills in young men and young women. Let's really teach the guys that, hey, you can be masculine and be alpha and change gears and, and be in your emotions. And there's a good balance you can achieve there and be proud of. And, you know, similar messaging to women about building their own relationship skills. I don't see a lot of that out there. I just kind of see more of the sort of minority messaging that, yeah, I'm just going to do my own thing forever in a day. And I don't think that's what the majority of us want. That's, you know, that's not our goal for most of us deep down as long as enough time has passed. Yeah, so interesting. I was actually talking to my husband right before we started this live broadcast just to get his perspective on it. I always love getting his opinion as someone who's not in this field. And he said, yeah, I think 99% of people that if they were to meet the right person and have a good experience would want partnership. I see a comment in the chat from Maya who says, I can't trust guys. The ones I had can't emotionally support. Yeah, I see that all the time. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. What would you say to someone like Maya? And I'm sure so many people can relate to that who've maybe had bad experiences and they feel like they can't trust men. It's just easier to stay single. I hear yeah, that all the time. I, I, first of all, I get it. I 100% get it. And if I was in your position, I'd probably have a very similar mindset. So yeah, Maya, I suppose I would say to you, if you can look at a little, a little bit of your history understand where that comes from. Usually Maya, when I've worked with a client in this situation, she has had that on some kind of level quite significantly in her upbringing. And it can be subtle. It might not be something you're aware of, but if there's a pattern, I always say, well, a pattern is familiarity. So if you are the common denominator, then your actions inadvertently are creating this pattern. And this isn't blaming at all. This is saying, if you've taken those actions, then we can actually look and figure out, hey, there can be actions you can do to reverse this. Uh, a particular skill set, it might be really listening to your intuition early. It might be getting better at conflict. It might be learning to set boundaries. It might be learning the, the dance of assertiveness. Uh, it might even be, you know, going on, on more dates and building confidence that way. Um, I don't believe that healthy 
relationship isn't possible for 99.9% of us. You know, I think 99.9% of us are very capable of it. There are very minority exceptions where there's been so much complex trauma that, yeah, it can take some time. But even with enough work, those people can work towards it. But for all of us, if we learn the right skills, if we take an honest look at what our part has been, and if we go in with some guidance, whether it is with a coach or if that's not your thing, um, you know, following a program or having a friend hold you accountable, you know, there's ways you can do it even without having a coach. But if you are committed to getting those relationship skills and to looking at areas you can improve on, healing what's happened to you in the past, I absolutely believe it's possible for you. But without those tools, I totally get why you would say, nah, screw it. I'm just going to get punched in the face again emotionally. Not for me. So true. This is probably the number one reason that I hear from women who are choosing to be single or they're just too scared to date. They don't want to put themselves out there. They just don't feel like they can trust men or even trust themselves because maybe in the past they've put themselves in situations over and over in dating and relationships where they ended up getting hurt. Do you see that as well, Mark? Yeah. I mean, do you know what I see a lot, Helena? It's really interesting. I, I see messaging that sometimes tells women, you know, give guys a chance um, don't, don't judge a book by its cover, you know, be understanding, be, be compassionate. And I think that's overall reasonable messaging, but it's hard because you also get this sort of, you get this messaging around, you know, don't pick the the shiniest guy, don't pick the hottest guy. And, and that makes sense. I think a lot of us who have really healthy kind of partners can relate to that, that advice. But when I'm working one-to-one with women, it's, a lot of women are, are struggling a lot and maybe a lot of you out there listening. It's, it's hard for you to say, well, hang on a minute. Where's the line where I need to set my boundaries and ask for more? Where, where is that line versus where is the line where I'm being so picky and need to give someone a chance and I just need to be more open-minded? I, I speak to women virtually every day. That's a really blurry line for a lot of women and it can go either way for some women I speak to it's uh, actually truth be told you are being pretty closed off here and this is an emotionally healthy guy but there's plenty of other times that I meet women who are like you know Mark I just I feel really damaged every time we have a conflict and we sort of unpack what's happening and multiple times he might be snap breaking up with her or he might be sneaking in some criticisms or doing some gaslighting but this woman's got some of this messaging about, oh, you should always give guys a chance, have compassion. And then, you know, when I'm working with that client, it's like, no, you got to set some hard boundaries with this. And if nothing changes, GTFO quickly. Mm. So I think it's difficult for women because that blurry line of, well, am I the problem? Am I like being too picky? Or, you know, is this, can I trust my intuition here and, and set, a, set a hard boundary and, and not accept this? Or is that me being, my expectations being too high? It's confusing. And in my opinion, because we don't really teach this in schools and we don't really talk about a lot of these skill sets, I totally get why so many people are confused with all the different messaging out there. I completely understand that too. And I get that a lot. Something I see a lot, especially from women in my community. I don't know if you see this as well, but I think people in general who are drawn to this work tend to have huge hearts. They're so empathic. And women in my community especially 
tend to give men way too much benefit of the doubt. That's just what I've seen. And I can certainly relate to that in my past. They make excuses for him. They buy into his excuses, especially when they're not attracted to that many guys. And then one man comes along and they finally feel attracted to someone or they finally feel chemistry and excited about someone. And so it can be easy to just give him way too much benefit of the doubt. But I do see women as well who are on the other end of the spectrum who just don't want to give anyone a chance. Where do you see that line? is? Is it just different for any, you know, is every situation different or I would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Look, I think if I had to give a a general piece of advice and this is only on my own experience and the women who come to me. So I'm sure that I attract a certain type of woman avatar that, that maybe my samples is biased as well. But Mm -hmm. if I had to really generalize, I would say as a general, what I see is women do well to lower their standards and expectations a little bit in dating and raise their standards and expectations a little bit in relationships. Mm, Interesting. That's, that's my general, but there's also counter examples, I think. And this is where I think the apps are not helpful for women is that when you land on an app, this is one of the biggest struggles of apps and tell me in the chat if you guys can relate to this when you land on an app one of the challenges about being a woman is it's very easy to get overwhelmed it's like there's hundreds of matches there's so much going on there there is just that you just look at this and you're like oh my god what do i do with this and as you mentioned helena a lot of our clients and a lot of women that come to us are already overgivers. they're already overfunctioners. so they look at this and they're like oh my god i'm letting everyone down i'm a horrible person and then they want to log off and because apps in particular there's so much there it's so hard to filter everyone you know you go to a bar you might meet five guys you log on to an app there's 50 right in front of you what the hell do you do mm-hmm. with that Um, It forces us to select on more superficial grounds. It forces us to be more biological, to be more simple. Okay, well, who am I most attracted to? Who's the tallest? Um, Who do I get the most buzz immediately from? I'll just take those five and go with that. But of course, as we said earlier, not only are we filtering for some of that stuff, but we're also now filtering for this whole batch of emotional competencies and relationship skills. So the five shiniest guys out of the 50 are usually not the ones that have the relationship skills, the, mm. the the middling guys are more of that. So women have this experience where, hang on a minute, the few guys that I contact with don't put in any effort. And then even if I do get them, they're not really emotionally available. So screw apps. This is all very annoying. So that's why I sort of say sometimes uh, if I was generalizing, lowering the standards of being a little bit more open-minded in your dating and then raising the standards and being a little more closed-minded in your relationships If I had to give a general advice for one sentence, that's probably what it would be. I'm so happy to be talking about this. I've never actually. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so interesting. I know you just read my mind. I was just going to ask you. So when you say lower your standards in dating, you don't mean lower your standards in terms of how you're treated, right? No, no. I mean, be be open-minded because what we're selecting for is a variety of, of things, So we're selecting for physical, we're selecting for sort of purpose and growth and finance, we're selecting for emotional health, we're selecting for communication skills, we're selecting for trustworthiness, we're selecting for consistency, we're selecting for how we are treated. So you've got this, you know, we're even selecting for like, how does someone relate to their friends and family? How do they set boundaries with the people in their lives and their exes? There's a lot that we are selecting for now. 
And so you land on an app, most of that stuff you can't tell. You know, you meet a guy in a bar and you've already got an intuition for his emotional skill set, the way he tells stories, how he looks at you. There's so many subtle indicators of various pieces of these multiple things that we're looking for. On an app, you are basically just hit with looks, maybe career, and, and that's about it. So when I say lower the standards, I mean, don't look for a 10 out of 10 in just those two areas. What I mean is try to find the sevens and the eights because the sevens and the eights might be sevens and eights in every area. Whereas a lot of the ones that are just 10 in a specific area are going to be twos in some of those other areas, but you won't figure that out until you've dated them for three months and they've shut you off. Not so true. Sorry, I should so swear true. on the podcast. But, you know, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's, it's being open-minded to someone that is a, a, a seven in multiple areas, eights and sixes across the board, um, and then holding that person accountable and for when you're in the relationship for more of those competencies, the relationship skills, the emotional availability, the way someone does conflict, the way someone works on the relationship, effort, treatment, da-da-da-da-da. Got it. That makes so much sense. And the seven and eights on the app could be a 10 in partnership skills. I always say you want to look for partnership skills and you can't really tell that from online dating or even from your first date, you might not be able to tell exactly. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. I, I always actually, say to women, you've got to see a guy on, on the bad days. You've got to see him stressed. You've got to see him tired. You've got to see him when his trauma gets triggered. That's where you'll kind of be able to tell the best information about how this is going to operate long term. It's just so true. I agree with you 100%. I was actually talking with my husband about this a few weeks ago, actually, because we were just looking at some comments that came through on some of our videos we've done together on YouTube. We were even saying that the guy that knows how to create that intense chemistry on a first date, or if you meet him at the bar, isn't necessarily the guy that's going to be really steady and stable and have great partnership skills and want to be there for you through all the ups and downs in life. So I think a lot of women are disqualifying these really great potential partners because they don't make them feel a certain way on those first couple dates or when they first meet. Do you see that as well? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that's pretty accurate. It's, it's so distracting to have the mega exciting person, mm -hmm. but a lot of these, uh, a lot of people who are like that are just, you've got love bombers in that category. And even if someone is not love bombing you, the, the tens in the chemistry, you know, the, 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 what's the saying, the higher they go, the, the quicker they fall or something like that. Yeah. yeah you, you know what I'm saying? Basically they explode and then they crash. And, and there's a, there's an actual interesting reason for that because if we meet someone who's very high on chemistry, um, even if they're not love bombing, the skills that make a relationship great, the things that really healthy couples do most of them suck. They're not fun. Um, it's not fun bringing up a difficult conversation to your partner when, when it makes you uncomfortable. It's not fun receiving feedback from your partner. It's not fun setting a boundary or sharing a feeling of, of the way someone has hurt you. And it's not fun sitting down to work on the relationship, to work through a conflict, um, being vulnerable, sharing a fear, sharing an insecurity. Basically, a lot of the stuff that separates healthy couples and not so healthy couples it's not very fun. It doesn't feel good. It's kind of like a gym session. You don't have a hard gym session and go, that was so much fun. 
Maybe mm. you've got a spin class that is, but most of the best gym sessions that I, I have, you know, they're not much fun when you're there. It's that 12th rep under the squat rack sucks. It's, it's not the best moment of my day. It's the same in relationships. And so the problem with the high chemistry relationships is for you to go from a 10 out of 10 chemistry, you're on a massive high, you're making each other feel great. And that's also, there's also some trauma response related to this, but we won't talk about that right now. You're making each other feel great. You're invigorating each other. It is such a big come down to go from that 10 out of 10 to having awkward, difficult conversations about feelings, setting boundaries with each other, sharing vulnerabilities. When you've been that high, coming down that mountain and sitting in the valley, which no one, which doesn't feel good at all. It's a, it's a massive contrast. And that's why a lot of the couples that, that start there don't succeed because even if it's not a love bombing situation, as I say, which has its own set of issues, the sheer drop is far more severe. You made me feel a 10 out of 10. Now you made me feel a two out of 10. Mm -hmm. Whereas when someone starts as more of a six or a seven, they still make you feel good, but you can go in both directions. You can go up the mountain in your best moments, but you didn't necessarily start there, but you can also go down the mountain and it's not that far to just have a conversation like two friends, to have an awkward discussion. The come down is not as severe. So it's less jarring for couples that start with less chemistry to get down into those gritty areas and actually build the relationship. I've actually never thought about that before. And that is so spot on. and So true. And then what a lot of people say is like, well, I don't want to end up with someone I don't have chemistry with. I hear that all the time. Right. And I think that you don't have to, you will absolutely have so much chemistry with the right person, but often that chemistry builds over time as you see their partnership skills. When if you open up and you're vulnerable and you see how they just love and accept you for exactly who you are, it's just one example, but there's lots of ways, yeah. ways to build chemistry. What are your thoughts on that? Does this mean that you just have to end up with some boring guy who's a great partner? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I've had clients in that situation and, and maybe some of you can relate to this where you have actually gone the other way and you've chosen men who maybe were safe for you. Mm -hmm. You tried to choose people who were safe and who you didn't have much chemistry in the past. And you've been in a relationship for years where you've been sleeping with someone, where you've been kind of chronically been at this level of chemistry where it hasn't grown. And not only has the chemistry not going, but growing, but the relationship as well slowly went, went bad. So you might be listening to this and you might be saying, Mark, I've actually been in that situation where I have had no chemistry. And so screw that. I'm never dating someone without like a 10 out of 10 chemistry again. Cause I did the two out of 10 chemistry for eight damn years and I'm not doing that yeah. again. So mm -hmm. this is going to be, especially if, if you're in that situation, this is going to be especially challenging for you because yeah, you, you need to find that middle ground is, is what I've found. And I don't think it's a case of trying to turn a two into a 10. It, it's just not going to happen. You're looking for your fives. You're looking for your sixes. You're looking for your sevens. You're looking for your eights. And you're looking for the relationship skills that come with it. And if you can find that five, six, seven or eight, attractive, not obsessive, someone that you get along with. And if you can build with relationship skills, shared vulnerability, teamwork, that chemistry will kick in. But yeah, I don't, at least for what, for my work, I, I'd have to ask Helena about 
hers. But for my work, I don't think try to turn a two into a 10. Don't try to turn a three into a 10. You've got to sort of find a middle ground. And if you've experienced relationships in the past where you had zero chemistry, that's going to be hard for you because you've already had some sort of chronic mini trauma or chronic trauma around not having any chemistry. And so the opposite end is going to be very tempting for you. And you've got to challenge yourself to find that middle. It's so true. Yeah. Just because you tried the safe guy and that relationship didn't work out or you just got bored with it eventually and gave up doesn't mean that you have to choose. It's not an either or thing. I was on your podcast, I believe about two years ago, Mark, I'm not sure if you remember, and you asked me, you kind of put me on the spot and said, how would you gauge the chemistry on your very first date with your husband? And I believe I said maybe like a six or seven, and obviously it's 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10 now, but that (laughs) didn't happen the first couple dates. Like it's something that had to kind of build over time. But I think that those are the best kind of guys because you don't get obsessed with them. You don't put them on a pedestal. And then I believe I asked you with your partner, and I was actually surprised to find that you said something similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, I would say we were about a seven. We kind of joke about it because both of us, both myself and Sam, we dated someone who was very high chemistry immediately before we got together. So I had a a lady, we'll call her L, and Sam had a guy, we'll call him, I don't know, T. And yeah, both of us had someone that that lit us up like a Christmas tree. Basically, we we were high as a kite, we were very intoxicated and we both kind of joke how similar the situations were for us. And in both cases, it started good. And again, really started to fall off that cliff when the relationship skills were required because the person became inconsistent. We got more and more anxious about getting the high. We started to lose some of ourselves. It it wasn't a good situation for either of us. So yeah, I would say Sam and I were probably about an even seven, an even seven when we started. And it's grown since. Is it a 10 every day? No, but that's not how it's going to be in any real relationship. It's not going to be a 10 all the time. Sometimes it sucks. You know, sometimes you have to work through something. Sometimes she annoys me. Sometimes I annoy her, but we have a great relationship because we're great friends. We work through things, you know, we're attracted to each other. We're very open to each other and it's so much healthier than anything I've had before, but it did start at a seven on the chemistry scale. So interesting. Yeah, it goes back to my point that just because someone knows how to make you laugh and make you feel things, it doesn't mean that, first of all, that they're going to be interested in you in the long haul. You have to see how things unfold over time, but it also doesn't mean that they're going to be a great partner and want to stick in there with you through all the ups and downs of life, right? Yeah, that's, you nailed it, Helena. That's that's basically it. The, The chemistry can feel so good, but... In my experience and experience working with clients, as soon as you get above an eight, you're in very difficult territory in terms of making your relationship work. So interesting. Yeah, I've actually never heard anyone say that before. So I love <laughs> learning new things here. You know, I absolutely love that. I'm curious for the people listening live, have you had that experience where you have super high chemistry with someone and then it fizzles out or you lose yourself or you put them on a pedestal and everything goes south? I'd love to hear from you. I'd also love to hear from people who have maybe chosen the safe guy and found themselves bored and feel like it's Mm. an either or situation. Like they have to choose chemistry over safety and reliability because I think you absolutely do not have to choose. I would love to hear maybe if you have a few tips for people who 
are in that category where they're just kind of ready to give up or they maybe have given up on finding love and they're frustrated and discouraged. Do you have any tips for people who (laughs) are listening to this and going, oh, that's me, but actually deep down, I really do want to find a great partner? I think you've got to take an honest look at, okay, what's what's the part of I, I have played? And there's no shame in this. There's no uh, guilt over it. We all are responsible for our own lives ultimately. So if something keeps happening that's putting you in a difficult situation, difficult relationship situation, then the bad news is you're the common denominator. The good news is that makes you responsible to change it and to go in a different direction. Um, I'm just, I'm really passionate about working with people to teach these relationship skills and you know a lot of them a lot of them aren't that difficult it's things like how do i know the difference between a thought and a feeling how do i make sure that like when to use vulnerability when to use more assertiveness how do i know if this is a deal breaker for me or not how do i negotiate with my partner none of it's algebra you know it's pretty simple but without those skill sets most relationships either go go bad or they sort of bubble along in a we're okay together. We don't dislike each other enough to break up, but we've lost a lot of connection. We're not, we're not that in love. We're just kind of doing our thing and getting divorced is too annoying. So we'll just keep it up. So I, I think the best relationships, the, the top 10% of relationships, they, they pretty much all have this in common. They're all two people who, whether through a blessing of very secure parents or people like myself who kind of had to learn it the hard way from their own coach, um, they figured out how to do these skills. They faced their fears around doing these skills. They learned what codependence looks like, how to tell it apart, how to give up overfunctioning or underfunctioning habits, how to take responsibility, how to give their partner responsibility. They learn these things. And so whether you do research online, whether you work with a coach, whether you, um, you know, Helena's got some great group stuff you can join in on. I think just investing, whether it's time, whether it's money, investing yourself in some way to get the skills and awareness so that history doesn't repeat. Uh, A lot of, this doesn't just apply to relationships. A, A lot of life is we only do things a second. If we got hurt doing something once, our nervous system remembers. So it doesn't let us go back in unless it is confident that history won't repeat. And when I'm doing really deep healing work with clients, this is a big principle. It's there has to be a reason the trauma won't repeat or our nervous system will put a big fat stop sign in front of our face. So you've got to find that reason for yourself. However you do it, however you invest yourself in it, find a way, find a strategy, talk to someone, talk to you know five people in really healthy relationships, read books, get, get coached, watch videos, do exercises, join groups, whatever it is, just find a way to invest yourself in the skills so that you can say, okay, I can create a different result this time. I know where my speed bumps are. I know what to expect. I know how to handle them. I've got the tools and I can protect myself as I go through this journey. And then I think you'll feel safe to go in again. I love that. That is just so true. I found that to be true in my own life. Absolutely. Everyone knows this. If you've been following my story that I had to get my own support and hire my own counselor, a therapist actually to work through some things. And it made all the difference in the world for me. And it uh, actually happened pretty quickly. I don't think you have to spend decades in therapy, right? I mean, have you seen these shifts happen quickly in the women you've worked with? hundred percent. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I still have a coach that I see. I don't see him as often anymore. I see him about once a month. And then we have a couples coach we see every couple of months for a tweak. I just find it so helpful. And this stuff can, can happen really quick. Sometimes there is deeper stuff. Uh, no question. Sometimes there's some pretty intense fears from your past that can come up. So you've got to kind of brave that and you've got to say, all right, I'm going to face my fears. Um, it's like, it's like any area of life. Usually what you want is on the edge of your comfort zone, just beyond your fears. So, and, and look, this applies to men as well. I'm, I'm in a couple of men's groups at the moment and it's interesting. Uh, most of them, most of the guys are talking about the relationships and the struggles they've had to be vulnerable with their wives or to be a good partner or to, you know, be, be masculine and be emotionally available. So it's a thing for men as well. Uh, 52% of women being single means 52% of men being single and men, men aren't meant for this either. Men aren't loving it. So I think it's for all of us to really encourage these, these skill sets, encourage working on relationships, no shame around it. Encourage, like I have, I had and probably still have broken relationship skills, but it's the constant tweaking. It's the constant awareness of them, you know, that makes my relationship. I'm, I'm very proud of it and very happy with it. So I think we've just got to get that message out there that it's okay to work on this stuff and it's cool to do. And it can happen quicker than you think when you actually do. I loved that advice. Oh, actually we have another comment from Angela. She says, Mark just nailed what I'm experiencing right now. I'm with an amazing guy, but I'm holding back due to past experiences. I've done all the work, not sure where else to go to move forward. Mm. What a great question. Any thoughts for Angela, Mark? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing, Angela, and congrats on finding what sounds like a pretty great guy. Um, my philosophy with this stuff, Angela, is, is the work's never done. <laughs> it might not mm. be what you want to hear, but it's like going to the gym right? Or doing your health. You're like, all right, I've eaten vegetables for 15 years. I've been working out for 15 years. I'm done. It doesn't really work like that. It's, um, you know, the absolute, I've trained with some of the best therapists in the world. They're just, some of these people are absolutely incredible. And we, so we, we ask them sometimes, uh, you know, are all of your parts healed? Have you finished the work? And, you know, I've got the, the best, most solid therapist in the world telling me it's, it's, it's never done. You never get them all. So if there's still stuff coming up for you, there's still work to be done, but, but that's okay. There always will be. Um, I guess when you're in your financial life, you can kind of retire at 55, but uh, for your health and in your relationships, I, I don't think there's a retirement. I think it's, it's chipping away. And that's a good thing because the biggest results will always come from chipping away at something consistently rather than trying to bite off more than you can chew in one go. So just keep chipping away at it. I would say if there's still stuff coming up, Get curious about what that stuff is. What's the deeper fear driving that? Where in your past does that fear come from? Heal that younger self and then the fear won't have the same grip on you. That fear can retire and go relax relax on the beach. It won't need to block you anymore. So keep up the great work, I would say, Angela. Beautiful. I completely agree. She said, thank you for the validation. So true. I keep asking, what else do I do? <laughs> I can relate to that myself. Look, yeah. I don't know what work you've done. Um, I would say if you've done any, any therapy that involves the body. So any type of, uh, it could be schema, it could be IFS, it could be EMDR. Um, my personal favorite is IFS. I just love, love that stuff. I do it with a lot of my clients. Um, that always gets in there and, and finds it. So check that out if you yeah, if you want, if you want a new approach, IFS internal family systems, is that what you're talking Correct. about? Yeah. yeah. That's what I did with my therapist too, actually. Yeah. She says she's done coaching and therapy and EMDR. Fantastic. Yeah. Good on you. Well, with all that work, you, sh you should have made a lot of progress, I'd imagine. So you just bring the curiosity to whatever is left.
if you're saying, hey, I'm still holding back, then there's something left. So whichever therapy has worked the best for you, use that, get in there, have fun with it. And it's not, it's not that much fun, but you'll reap the results. The <laughs> results will be fun. Put it that way. Absolutely. And I love the mindset of just, there's nothing wrong with you. We all have triggers that we're running up against continually, myself included, every once in a while. Right. And so yeah. it, I love everything 100%. you're saying. Yeah. Uh, she says, nice. Have fun with it. Michelle says, thank you both. You're very welcome. This was great, Mark. Any last words of wisdom you want to share here before we close out? Yeah, look, I would, I would just say let's, let's encourage relationship and relationship skills together because with all of the messaging around being on your own is great and, uh, you know, just do your own thing. I, I think at our core, let's just be real, that's not actually what most of us want if we're being really super honest. So let's celebrate relationship. Let's celebrate being together. And even of those of us who have had shitty ones, let's go, okay, we understand that you've had that or I've had that. We can all learn from that. Take your time to be on your own. And there is a way for you with the right skill sets, with the right guidance um, and with the right intuition coming from within you, you can do this. So let's, let's push back on a bit of that. Let's all be single forever messaging because it's not really what any of us actually want. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, if you absolutely want to be single because you love it and you're coming from that place, then great, go for it. But like you said, that's probably a tiny percentage of people. Most of us right. want true partnership. You've just maybe been burned before in your past, or you don't trust yourself. You don't trust people of the opposite sex. And so it's just easier to be single. That's where getting some support and really looking within can help tremendously. Maya says, thank you, Helena. And Mark, Angela says, leave the old stories behind. Thank you so much for everyone who listened live. And Mark, where can people get a hold of you and potentially work with you and find your book? I'd love to hear all of that. And I'll include links in the description when the replay of this posts. Yeah, if you want to find my book, you can find that on Amazon or Audible. If you prefer to just listen to the Aussie accent for eight straight hours, you can do that. Or if you want to get in touch with me, there is my website, which is makehimyours.com, makehimyours.com. And there's a work with Mark tab. Uh, you can fill out, the, fill out the little interview there. And one of the amazing ladies that I work with will introduce you to me. Great. So I'll include that, like I said, in the description right under where you're listening to this. If you're listening to the replay, I'll also include a link to download the Bullhorn podcast app. If you're listening to the replay and you'd like to join us live and participate in my live broadcasts, I do them every other Friday now and get your personal questions answered. It's totally free. So much fun. I always have a blast. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. So Mark, thank you so much again. This was great. I love everything you shared. I hope you want to come on again soon. Thanks for having me. It was so good talking to you. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. Yes. Bye, everybody. Have a great weekend. See bye. you next time. If you're tired of struggling in your love life and you want a proven system to get into and maintain a relationship where you're consistently loved, valued, and cherished, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.